I was born in 1959, uh, the 50s, technically. So my formative years, for me, I think anyway, would have been the 70s. The 70s is when I was a teenager. The 70s is when I went to high school. The 70s is when I probably became a fan of whatever it is I'm a fan of. And one of those things was film. I mentioned in in a previous podcast that uh, one of the two things that my grandmother would let me do when I was living with her was go to the movies and go to the library. So I was extremely well read and watched the shit ton of movies in the 70s which according to some is arguably one of the best decades in film ever we're gonna geek out tonight on whiskey business um i'm your host dino tripotis along with my producer greg hansberry and and our producer of our youtube channel which you're watching john whitney as well our guest bottle tonight is pikesville 110 proof straight rye whiskey from the good folks at heaven hill something that they've had for a while and decided to go wide with it here in recent years i will i will mention this and hansberry you can back me up when we used to when we used to work together back in the day when we used back to work together day. at the radio station mm-hmm. what i say rye whiskey was on the rise you did say that. i did say that how many years ago did i say that three three probably more that's the last time I, or the first time i remember you saying it yeah probably yeah probably but look, what you tell me 10 years ago <laughs> no, no 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 it was it was it was it was right around five my point being that since 2009 purchase and consumption of rye whiskey is up 609%. Does it have to do with the craft bourbon boom altogether, you think, or not necessarily? I think it's the fact that uh, people who love whiskey have discovered the virtues of rye whiskey, straight rye whiskey, and we'll talk more about Pikesville straight rye whiskey a little bit later on after our guest gets to sip it a little bit. Tim Farron is back with us. For those of you hey, hey. who are uh, longtime listeners of the podcast, Tim Farron was on with us when we talked about the new golden age yes. of television. Peak TV. Yes. And why we while we were in them in the midst of that conversation, we started to to slide into movies and we started rattling off some of our favorite films, and a lot of those were in the seventies. And I said, You have to come back. Right. And we have to discuss Absolutely the greatest films of the 70s yeah. and why again that decade is arguably one of the best decades in in film history now i'm sure we're going to hear from you i'm sure we're going to hear from my buddy uh, director john whitney because he's a huge 70s fan and hansberry is just a huge movie buff so tonight could be an education for you and if you have any questions I'm sure you won't be shy <laughs> when you pick up the microphone. I'm going to defend the 90s. You're going to defend the uh, yeah, 90s? Uh-huh. Okay, good luck with that. You're a big fan of the 70s. So, well, so we're going to subtitle this episode of Whiskey Business, That 70s Show. That 70s Show. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, all we, right. we could all do right. that. Very good. We could yeah. do that. Well, and like you, I am of a certain age. Uh, actually, I'm older. <laughs> I know, and, I hate uh, the fact. You're one of the few guests that is actually older than me and looks younger. <laughs> I don't know what what pact you made with... <laughs> my pact w- with the devil? With with the devil, uh, but... Uh, you're holding up very good, my friend. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. As Dick Clark once told me, <laughs> Tim, people Drink. ask me uh, how I look so young, and I tell them, choose your parents wisely. Uh, and funny. that is it. My father, God rest his soul, died at 90 but at age 80, he was still being carded for his senior discount. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. That is that is one fine bloodline, that my is, friend. That is an epic bloodline, pal. And, of course, clean living. Well, yeah, reasonably. Yeah, you know. So. Said your host as he lit up another cigarette. <laughs> as, uh, as we look at uh, whiskey that's aged at least six years. At least according six years. To the label. Yes. So, yeah, but... Going back to our 70s show theme, yes, so I came of age around that time, too, and uh, just sort of blithely assumed that, man, this was how it, you know, usually is with all of these great movies, and um, now, 
looking back, I realize, holy cow, what? that was unbelievable. And then in preparation for the show, I just sort of, you know, idly typed into my computer search screen, uh, best films in 1970 through 1980. And rather than popping up just some random stuff, uh-huh. about half a dozen things right at the top of the search were best decade in film history. Right. And there were several things where people said, you know, people talk about 1939 being like one of these great years for films. But holy cow. Well, there was the golden Look, age of right, Hollywood. Right. And they right. say that the 70s was new Hollywood at that particular time. That's right. New, new Hollywood uh, and the, the film Brats. Right. As they the, call the film them Brats. At which, the time, which they're which, now old yeezers. I know, but they were quite the talented brats. We're Led, talking. Yeah. I mean, Francis Ford the, the Coppola. Old, he was the elder statesman yes. of the gang and, you know, Spielberg and Scorsese, Scorsese and yeah. Lucas. They're all and, the. the Film, film school guys that ended up uh, exactly. breaking the system and then this doing was, their own thing. This was the first generation that was almost entirely film school educated. Film school educated and influenced by French films as yes. well. Well, by by international films. Right. I mean, not just not French. Not just the French film, but that wave but of the French. Neorealism the neorealism in, in Italy, area. French New Wave. Everything. Yeah, the French, French New Wave. wave uh, Those definitely you know, had a their... A lot of Asian stuff. They, they definitely uh, you know. had their influence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on what they were seeing and 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 then wanting to do with films exactly. at that particular exactly. point in time, which is not to diminish, of course, their knowledge of, of no. the history in Hollywood films too. I mean, uh, you, you, so many times looking back in some of the films from the seventies by these guys, and you'll see uh, homage to mm-hmm. you know a John Ford movie, a Howard right. Hawks movie, sure, something like that, and, and it's like. This could not be any more obvious now looking at them. Yeah, so. you mentioned Coppola right out of the gate. I forget that he uh, wrote Patton. Patton. He wrote Patton. And then after he wrote Patton, he was commissioned to... That's to, how he to, launched. To, to do the to Godfather. Do Godfather. Godfather, which right. anybody that knows the history of the, the making of that film, it was just one struggle after another hugely fraught hugely fraught you know just incredibly and the fact that he did that one in 72 and then came back in 74 and made what some people think is an even better better film than the godfather because you know that's another battle and another podcast uh, which we plan on having yeah about the going knee deep into the godfather but the fact that he made those two films in that span of time is just incredible yeah yeah yeah, I mean, so many films seminal to not just films in the in the decades from then until now, but also a lot of things that have led to yeah, coming full circle here to uh, some of the peak TV. I mean, yeah, come on, The Sopranos wouldn't exist had The Godfather not been made. I, you know, I tend I mean, to that, that's agree just, with that. You cannot conceive of it let me apologize i introduced you as being on our podcast before but tim farron works with the columbus dispatch he's a writer for the columbus dispatch for the longest time you worked uh in in the media portion right. of the newspaper right. you did movie reviews and right. you did articles right. on, on on exactly what right. we're talking about. i covered television and film yeah and theater so and, yeah, you know from be- what you speak absolutely yeah and you're still writing for the columbus dispatch and doing a hell of a job thank you and uh and i'm, I'm thrilled that you're here tonight talking about something that we both love collectively and I'm sure a lot of you people uh, who are our film geeks lovers of film can appreciate the fact that the 70s it's interesting when somebody watches if somebody like your age Hansberry goes back and watches a, a film from the 70s and and then is like is like blown away well um, I was born in 84 so I mean that puts me in well into late 90s early 2000s before I could even understand some of these movies so yeah you're talking 30 years later yeah and you have you appreciate oh yeah absolutely and I wouldn't have appreciated them if I watched them when I was 10 I would would have not what the know what to do with about it but that's uh, the thing that's the thing all right 72 how old am I in 1972 I was born in 59 69 I'm what 12 13 12 13 years of age 
I stumbled across this book that my uncle read cover to cover in one night. And I was like, what's he reading that he can't stop reading it? And it was The Godfather. Right. And it said, soon to be a major motion picture right. from Paramount. Right. And then I grabbed that book and I read it and I went right through it. And I was, you know, and I said, Uncle Chris, when this movie comes out, you got to take me because I wouldn't have been of age to see it right. at that particular time. Right. So I, I begged to differ, my young friend, at at the at. at 12 or 13 years of age, when my uncle took me with him to see that movie, I was just mesmerized. You can, I mean, no matter what age or what level of education, genius is genius, and you can usually discern it. And I I mean, even if you don't know anything about baseball, if you see, you know, Willie Mays in his prime, that guy, he must be really good, you know? Now, granted, I have an entirely different appreciation for the for those films now things that i sure. am aware of now as as an adult that sure. i was not aware of you know you can uh, critically watch it and well, yeah you know, and, you know absolutely and 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 see things that i never saw before but but man you know just watching that unfold you know and then also Okay, okay. They they left that out. That was that. That's not. They didn't put that part <laughs> from the book. They didn't put that part from the book. You know, and and I'm watching it that way. Even at 13 years of age, I'm like, how come they didn't uh, do more about Luca Brazzi? You know, and and, so, and, and, and my uncle's like, shut the fuck up and watch the movie. <laughs> to, just to finish on that thought is, I think that's why I do appreciate this. Uh, era this decade so yeah. much because i could when i was in college sit down and watch all three godfathers in a row and i had a better under you know i was old enough to get sure. what was going on you know you're one of a kind you know not all of us are reading through uh godfather at 13 well it's all what? i was allowed it's all i was allowed to do was read you books and, and go to movies you know that was it my grandmother i've mentioned it on previous podcasts was quite the disciplinarian and my mother wasn't there, and she said, you know, on my watch, nothing's going to happen. I'm not going to let anything happen to you on my watch, so you can go to the library, you can go to the movies. How much trouble can you get going there? There was a branch library in a shopping strip uh, on my walk home from grade school, St. Clair in Lyndhurst, Ohio, mm-hmm. and so I would visit that every night, too, yeah. like you, and then my parents would let me go to the and you're a very theater. well-read individual yeah, as well. So, you know, yeah, I, I hear you, man. We've you know? had talks about not only film, we've had talks about literature yeah. and, and, and film and, and booze. And You're one of the few people I know who uh, had a, a, a subscription, as do I, to New York Review of Books. Yeah, so yeah. I just got the, the latest one as we, as you we go. speak. There yeah. you go. Okay, enough of our... But uh, the Mutual Admiration uh, yeah. Society, yeah. we continue yeah. we on can, film. Uh, let's go on film. But, the, you, you know... They just, I asked you guys wanted a room. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Get a room, you two. I hate this question. Yes. When people ask me, what's your favorite movie? I like, don't ask. Because the best I can do is maybe, maybe give you a favorite film from every decade. And even that's difficult. Because if I had to pick a favorite movie from the 70s, I would probably lean towards Godfather 1 and 2. And, and then, then there are... But then there's so many. Yes. In a, in a, take in it out of the equation, Dino. We know that it's your favorite. All right. Take, take it's so out of the equation. A, so then a favorite, but you, know, you can name a bunch of favorites or favorites in a certain genre. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, in the 70s, I mean, gee whiz. I mean, we're talking, this was the, this was the decade. This was the decade. The, we started off the decade with MASH. Okay. Robert Altman. Robert Altman. A whole different kind of movie. For, Last for Picture its time. Show, 71. French Connection, 71. Harold and Maude. Became a cult classic. Cult classic. You know, Godfathers one and two, seventy two and seventy four. I mean, mm-hmm. that what a way to start the decade. Start the decade, and then it kept on going. Yeah, Cuckoo's mean Nest, Streets, Mean Streets. Okay, Scorsese, Exorcist, seventy three, Chinatown, one of my all time faves, seventy four, Dog Day Afternoon, seventy five. Nineteen seventy nine was kind of a peak year. There were a bunch of films that came out that were really great, but also it signified a turning point in the 70s because while 
it continued the kind of movies that we're kind of talking about that were adult and very stimulating intellectually and well done and well crafted. 1975 also happened to be the year when the first new blockbuster Jaws came. Jaws, that uh, which kind of which is changed everything. Defined the term blockbuster, blockbuster in its in the, own way. In the new Hollywood. Yeah, in new Hollywood for sure. And, you know, then afterward, even though Nashville was 75 and... Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, and, you know, All the President's Men, 76. Taxi Driver, 76. Annie Hall, 77, but also Academy 77. The next blockbuster, Star Wars. The movie that the movie that the the studios didn't think would do well, right? Right. right. I, they thought it would kind of just pop out and go away. And also, Lucas had issues with that in yeah, the making what, of that film. The one where George Lucas showed it to to uh, Coppola, and Coppola said, "I'm I'm really sorry about your luck." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the rough cut before all the effects. He showed it to him, and Oops. he just went, um, "Okay." <laughs> That's right. That's right. That was probably the next time I was actually, I mean, Jaws scared the shit out of me when I first saw it in the theaters. But I think probably Star Wars was the next time I I probably sat in a movie theater in awe of what was coming at me in, in, as far as a film and, and what was going on as far as escapism and, and the worlds that they took me to. I really anticipated that it was going to be big. The, from when I had read about it in Variety, and uh, it was like... In, okay. ni- in 1977, you read about it in Variety? Yeah. How old were you in 1977? I, I was, was still I was in high school. In, I was in college. Oh, well, excuse me. And, <laughs> and so I'm reading about it, and I'm thinking, okay, he's going to use kind of the same effects that Kubrick used in 2001. But he's going to apply it to, it sounds like a sort of Flash Gordon Buck Rogers thing. Ooh, this could work. This really sounds interesting and maybe a lot of fun. Let's just see. So, I, you know, I read a lot about how people say, nobody anticipated it, it could uh, work. And I thought, well, no, some of us kind of did. Yeah. I, I remember <laughs> sitting in, in a, a class I was taking uh, just as a kind of goof a film class mm-hmm. in, in college and uh you know we we were talking about it and several of us said that sounds like a really interesting thing especially coming from this guy who did a really good job with american graffiti george lucas right and we thought well you know it, it's kind of a it sounds like it could be a really cool pop culture sort of thing so whoops let's give it a uh, a chance and see what happens so, yeah, boom, yeah. boom. I was in like seventh and eighth grade, and we were foaming at the mouth. Absolutely, and we could not were wait you, for that movie. You to were come waiting out. for it to come out. I mean, oh you, my you, god, you were, you're excited about it. Oh yeah, and that summer, I probably saw that movie. I mean, at least twenty times because ah. it was a really <laughs> hot summer, a really hot summer, and it was the yeah. first summer that my parents trusted me to go to the mall by myself uh-huh. or with my friends. Yep, we got dropped off. Matinees were like seventy-five cents. Wow. You want to go see Star Wars? Okay, so we went to go see Star Wars. That's what we did that summer. I remember. Uh, <laughs> I remember my my freshman year at, at Ohio State University. Yeah. Uh, I lived in Taylor Tower, on North Campus, and there was a movie theater on on North High Street, uh, University Flick, and oh, yeah. for a solid year, I'm not kidding. The marquee didn't change. It was they had two. Th- two theaters one was showing star wars and one was showing rocky those were the two films that played i'm not my entire freshman year they did not change and people would go to see star wars and and rocky on a regular basis because rocky came out in 76 right and that was probably if i had to take pick a film that was one of the most inspirational movies for me it would have been it would have been rocky 
uh, as far as having an effect on me. Like I, I can't, I, I lost count of how many guys started drinking, you know, <laughs> eggs and, and getting <laughs> up in the, in the morning and starting to run, you know, thinking yeah. they were going to be. But I just remember, I just remember people getting up and and giving the movie a, a standing ovation. I mean, how often do you see that anymore, where people stand up in a theater and, and applaud? We need to bring that back, the applause at the end of movies, uh, no matter I what movie it is. I people standing up and clapping for Rocky. By the same token, I also saw him standing up for Billy Jack. <laughs> yes. So, so exactly. You know, uh, you know, maybe maybe the '70s was a was a decade where we where we stood up pretty easily. You know, if we if we like something. Well, if you go to uh, the symphony or and some other uh, performances, that's been kind of a a thing that uh, 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 when when we had full time critics at the Dispatch, we would discuss about how. We're so easy, man. Well, you know, people in, in all over, but in Columbus too, we get up and give a standing O to basically any performance. Okay, but let, let me you know? let me let me dig into the culture for just a second. Um, in respects to the seventies, in the films of the seventies, yeah, I mean the seventies the seventies were a, a, a gritty time for America. It was not the best of times. Well, you know, we're talking for uh, our culture. Uh, Vietnam uh, was uh, Vietnam. drawing to a Water conclusion, and Watergate yeah. shortages. Absolutely, um, the, the country was right. was not in the best of shapes. No. Um, so, I, do you think when I when I mention these these standing ovations that people would sometimes stand up for in certain theaters, do you think it was because you know the, the films of the seventies offered? Uh, enough, just enough escapism f- for us to say, you know, Jesus, something, something good, something cool, something, well, something we can connect with, something that gives us hope. Would that be films of after '75? Because the ones before '75 weren't really that right. uplifting. <laughs> they, those were very dark. They were dark films. There was a lot you of know? there was a lot of antiheroes yes. in, in the '70s. Yes, that, there that, were that we came to uh, became very close I mean, with. Come on, network. You know, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. I mean, gee whiz. Anti-establishment film. Yeah, we connected with the anti-hero in a big way in the 70s. Absolutely. But things turned, you know. Things like Star Wars and so forth. I mean, you had, well, I mean, 76 was sort of the tail end of the, uh, the negative stuff with Network. Mad as hell, and I'm not going to take there it anymore. Go. But 77 was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. 77, uh, no, 78 was Superman, which, oh, by the way, wasn't that kind of the icebreaker for all of the frickin' superhero movies? Sure. Well, I mean, the... the yeah, the, but the it, effects were crude. Yeah, interesting. But the whole though. idea that you could make a major motion picture about a comic book character. And it would succeed hugely, but it kind of, it kind of, at that particular point though, didn't it kind of start and stall with Superman? I mean, we went and saw the, the sequels to Superman, but I remember other superhero movies that followed Superman that didn't fare nearly as well. Right. It was like, uh, and there were '80s the Batman stuff with well, uh, the, the, later, yeah, 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 yeah. That was later. Yeah, but that was that was later on. Yeah, which. Uh, yeah, the, the Superman movies that failed toward the end. Oh boy, should have. They should have. They, they were. They, they were not. They were not good. I, I think it was an example of of having a, a hit, and all of a sudden they're like going, "Oh, uh, what shit. do we do next? How do we make this kind of movie?" Right. It's not like Marvel uh, Universe now, where right. they know they exactly know. how they to do it. They know the recipe. Back in the sure. in the seventies, they didn't yeah. know what the hell to do. But yeah, the Salkinds, the, the producers of Superman. They didn't really have a clue what they had, and they didn't really know what they were doing. You, you mentioned that right around 75 we started to, yeah. to, to turn, but there were two movies in 1976 that definitely reflected uh, the nation. All the President's Men yeah. was in 1976, yep. and one of my favorite films, which I, I, I still find riveting to this day, The Deer Hunter. Absolutely. Michael Cimino. Absolutely. And that was in 76. Yes. Yeah, the late like, Michael Cimino yeah, who died. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how that wasn't all that within the last couple of years. Yeah, a couple I of years. Um, another one of those, you know, great filmmakers that made this amazing film, and then, uh, 
he, he's also attached to one of the biggest flops and in, in although there's history. been there's been uh, uh, some sort of heaven's gate oh, oh, yeah yes. there's <laughs> been some uh, um, reconsideration of About heaven's uh, gate of especially especially um, they always go back and find well there was the well, reconsideration that, that people hated the shining when it came out I didn't. I know. I thought it was a great film when it but came it, out. But it was. It was. And, and it was said so. I was. I was reviewing at that point, and and said in my review, volumes are going to be written about this film because it is a great piece of work, and I knew that you know. But it people, was. It was drubbed. Fans of the book were going to say, "Well, this wasn't in the book, and this was you know." Right. And I said, "I don't care. <laughs> it's you know, it's a different medium." A different thing, and so come on. It's a, it's hands a great down movie. is my favorite horror film of all time. Hands the down, The Shining. Kubrick didn't like it, right? Or, um, uh, Stephen King. Stephen didn't King care for didn't it, like yeah. it, and a lot of people I did run into said they didn't like it either, and they said, "Why shouldn't it have been like you know, kind of some crappy right. scare fest?" And I said, "Go see it." And if you aren't having nightmares about it in a few days, let me know. And they did, because guess what? Kubrick, when he was making the film, you know this, he had, was it Freud's interpretation of dreams or someone else? It's Freud. Freud yeah, Freud's, yeah. It's Freud's, yeah. Freud's but who I, has the book interpretation of but dreams. But he had some kind of that and maybe something else about dreams and was using dream imagery all throughout. It was something that uh, for years and years, decades, that filmmakers have, have tried to do a filmed dream, a filmed nightmare. And, you know, when you watch that at like uh, the 24-hour horror marathon mm -hmm. at the Drexel in the middle of the night and you're kind of lapsing in and out of sleep and watching something like that, it really is a filmed nightmare. It's unbelievable. I, I'm not just extraordinary. Arguing that at all. I love The Shining, but the one that that creeped me out the most in the '70s was definitely The Exorcist. Yeah. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, as far Absolutely. As, as far as actually, um, you know, I'm a I'm a little scared. And when again, you, when, yeah. When you when you bring there's, Catholicism, there's yeah. another uh, seminal work. <laughs> yeah. That you know has pushed many other films in the decades since. I mean, so many groundbreaking works, like The Exorcist, which came out and was like, whoa. Yeah. That was, that, I think that touched a lot of people because a lot of religious people out there that believe, believe in, in that stuff. In right. possession. Right. And, yeah. and it really touched home with and a lot I'm of people. I'm not so sure that I, I don't still today right, right. So, you know. believe that... that uh, uh, and I'm not even a, a good and Catholic. And by the way, may I say, Linda Blair is a very sweet person. I've I've you, talked to you, her on you, a few yeah. occasions, and very nice gal. Yeah? Yeah. She never got past The Exorcist, though, did she, really? As far as a career? Yeah. I mean, that kind of... Well, but there was Roller Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made my point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I'd be interested to hear your uh, thoughts on a film that was released the same, almost the same moment as Star Wars, uh, William Freakin' Sorcerer. A great film. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it got shortchanged that I year? do. Absolutely. I mean. Bad timing. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think people were expecting, you know, The Exorcist yeah, 2, basically, especially when they heard the title. It wasn't a and, good movie. And it's like. No, this is a different movie entirely yeah. from what you're thinking. Yeah. And so, yeah. But boy, yeah, talk about a movie that just did not get the 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 attention and uh, you know the 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 honor that it really deserved. You know. Yeah. It's, Why is that one of your favorite movies, Johnny? I, I think the imagery. I think one of the. Uh, you know, I was uh, what was it, like 77, right? So I was yeah. 14, whatever. And I was at the Salem Drive-In Theater, and we saw the trailer for it. And they showed the sequence on the bridge with the bridge swaying back and forth. Oh. And I was like, going, I've got to see this fucking movie. <laughs> uh -huh. 
And when I saw it finally, I, I thought it was so intense. And the, the just the sequence of them trying to drive that that case of, of dynamite yeah. over these hills as they're almost falling off the side of these mountains is just like. And Roy Scheider is just awesome. He is. I mean, come on, Roy oh Scheider, God. come on. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's just it's just a great film. Just the mood. I like the pacing. It's yeah. kind of deliberate, and it's like it's I think just, I like it. Scheider was probably one of those actors that I don't think ever really completely got his due. Talk about yes, you talk know, about somebody who yeah, never really got his due. You know, due. you talk about you know him and 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 Jaws and and yeah. the sorcer- sorcerer and, and uh, um, all that jazz, all that jazz, all that jazz yeah. where he he yeah. was you know Fosse and it was just it was just yeah, that guy. He it was, was he kind was, of hysterical, but at the same time yeah. it was like it was spot on. Yeah, because you know. Yeah, Bob Fosse was kind of hysterical. Yeah, he you know, was in a kind of weird way. But but, but you're right. And I remember him in another the Seven Ups. I remember him in that movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another gritty, you know, cop, yeah. cop movie. The uh, good stuff. Let me mention also, among the many other things that kind of seminal uh, films that we continue to see the echoes of. Enter the Dragon. Bruce Lee. Martial Arts. Bruce yeah. Lee. All Fu that movies. stuff. The Kung Fu movies. I probably have seen Enter the Dragon more than anybody in this room because... I've seen it a bunch of times, uh, but I bow to you. No, no, you no only because have. I was changing the marquee at the Grand Theater at that particular time mm. in Steubenville, Ohio. And, okay. And, and, I, I rem- and so I had free access to the... To the movies, and I remember, I'll buy that. And I that I, was your Star Wars. That was my Star Wars. I, I probably watched, and and I watch it now. If it pops up on cable now, I I watch it, and and just, uh, just yeah, uh, am amazed. And then to, to actually have uh, worked with uh, John Saxon, who was in the movie as well. But uh, that was that was you know I actually worked with him on our little independent movie way back in the and bottom, bottom, I bottom feeders. Yeah. about that. Yeah, that's right, John Saxon. John played Saxon. John John Saxon. Uh, Dino. Was, uh, yeah. As cool as I always thought uh, d- d- you are. Let me stop Holy you. Holy cow. Let me stop you. Let you me, are now one you degree of separation John from Saxon. John Saxon. Let me stop. Let me stop you. I, I was in the same movie we as... We are not worried. I was in the same movie as John Saxon, but we had no scenes together, which bummed the shit out of me. No scenes together in the film, but we know. And he was a very... Uh, he was he was kind. He was polite, but he was very quiet and short. You know? Uh, it's when, all right. when he tried to make small talk in with him. In stature? No, no, no. In his... Uh, which may be another whiskey business. His, his, his dialogue of many Hollywood people. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't engage you in a lot of conversation, you yeah. know, in between, in between takes. Yeah. You know, he would just uh, he would do his thing and, and he'd wait. But he was the gangster in, in that movie that was sending yes. a hitman out to get, to yes. get me. And uh, but we never got to work together. So, but 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 John Saxon. But John Saxon. John, John Saxon. Come on. And Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I love that. I love that movie. That's a really sweet man. <laughs> <laughs> also, one of the biggest anti-heroes of the seventies, Dirty Harry, came out in nineteen seventy-one. Two films in the 70s. Yeah. Is that right? Dirty Harry and Magnum Force. Magnum Force. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about anti-heroes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And there was a guy that just, you know, just and that's cut tough. out the middleman and you dealt know. with the shit. And that, yes. <laughs> and talk about something else, that seminal yeah. film that carried on echoes in so many other things afterward. Yeah. 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 I mean, what a decade. Well, I was going to bring up. We haven't touched the comedies yet, because we talked. Uh, we've got the Monty Pythons, Monty and Python, then, and the Holy Grail, and Holy also Grail. Um, we Mel Brooks, Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein, the Frankenstein, Blazing yes. Saddles, Blazing Saddles, Blazing Saddles. Come how on, many, how many times am I quoting in the in the newsroom? What in the wide, wide world, world of sports is, is going, going on here? here? Somebody's going to have to go back and get a shitload of dimes. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> and in 1978, when we're talking about film comedy, in my estimation, one of the greatest film comedies of all time. 
which is celebrating an anniversary. Animal House. Animal House, oh. 40th anniversary. For- Son. <laughs> Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. <laughs> I think I had the exact same grade point average as Blutarski. <laughs> Eight years of college, down the drain. Down the drain. Are you talking about... Senator Blutarski. Senator, <laughs> Senator Blutarski. I was reading an article about how, how and, and I got pissed off when I read the article. I got pissed off when I read the article how uh, Animal House is, is, is in the archives as, as one of those Absolutely. Se- yeah, seminal films Absolutely. In, in, in the archives of, of film history. But how uh, it's not an appropriate film in today's Me Too generation, you know, because of a lot of all the sexual situations. Did you say it wouldn't get made today? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying they wouldn't get made today. Now, there's a lot of films that probably wouldn't get made today of, of that nature oh, that would not wow. be accepted. You know, Animal House, you know, the exploitation of, of women in, in Animal House. There were some exploitation of women scenes in, for instance, MASH, too. Of course, yeah. yeah. Blazing Saddles absolutely would not be made, I don't think. Well, for a lot of reasons. Nobody but, moves or uh, yeah, you know who yeah, gets it. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Animal House, one more thing. Uh, I loved Animal House. Little Ohio connection, of course. One of the writers of that, Doug Kenny. Of uh, the Cleveland uh, exurb suburb Chagrin Falls. That's a guy who passed away too soon. Yeah. He, he passed away shortly after Caddyshack, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah he was vacationing in Hawaii and uh, fell or jumped, nobody really knows, off a cliff there. So Great Netflix documentary about um, the whole uh, Lampoon scene. And um, yes. a movie uh, by directed by David Wayne, comedian David Wayne, about, about his life with... Um, Somebody from SNL, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Will Forte plays, yes, yes. plays uh, Kenny. Great. Yes. It's on Netflix. I'll I saw a, uh, a screener of that at uh, the Nantucket Film Festival a few years ago. And, again, you're talking about, like, Me Too and the different era. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody in the audience raised their hand and, and asked the, um, uh, the director, producer, about, well, gee, you know the lampoon where were the women why weren't there women on the staff uh-huh. and i just had to say you know it's like um because doug and henry beard who was also uh uh, uh they were kind of leading lights at the harvard lampoon and then started the national lampoon at that time, Harvard wasn't co-ed, and neither was the Harvard Lampoon. Interesting. And the first woman to be admitted to the Harvard Lampoon staff was in, like, 1972? I'll have to take your word for it. I don't know. I think so. And so I, I believe it was you Patty You fact us if you'd like, ladies who and gentlemen. Who is today a, a very fine uh, New York-based writer of... You know, stuff in the New Yorker and various other publications, but you know, it, those were very, very different times. Those guys were scraping to make it happen, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why they had a lot of really sexist stuff, both in the movie and in and, and in the magazine, was. They weren't making it doing the same things that they had done in college. And so Maddie Simmons, the uh, publisher, the uh, man behind Diners Club credit cards, he was the bankroller of the magazine, he said, well, you got to put some uh, naked girls in there. <laughs> and so you'll see a definite turning point in that magazine where there's Young women with bare breasts. Weren't some of those women, though, some of the writers on the staff? There were writers on the staff of the National Lampoon at some point, wasn't there? At some point later on. Yeah. But they, I don't believe they were writers. Okay. They, they, they were initially, staff. Some of them were staff. Yeah, right? but they, they hired, like, models. And, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just one of those things where it was like they were desperate and uh, okay, they were trying to make it. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it. But anyway, we'll do whatever we have to do. Yeah. 
Who do you think was the man in the 70s? If you had to pick one actor who probably prospered the most in the 70s and can consider the 70s films his, his benchmark decade, who might that be? Clint. Clint Eastwood? Yeah, I'd agree Clint Eastwood, yeah. I would say Al Pacino. Artistically, you might be right. Although... You know that was when Godfather. Godfather that was, of too. course, Dog that, Day After. You know that was, of course, when De Niro was launching. I was going to say De Niro. Yeah, De Niro was also yeah. And mean streets and attack. by the way, uh, I think it was in the seventies. There was a, a Time magazine cover with the two kind of iconic figures in film at the time: Clint Eastwood, and his back was to Burt Reynolds. Oh, forgot about old Bert. Because one of the, one of the Bert other Reynolds. films of the I 70s. I love Bert Reynolds. Oh, by the way, Smokey and the, the Bandit, I love, 1977. Oh. And earlier in that decade. Mr. Reynolds, I apologize. Deliverance. Yeah, Deliverance with with, with Bert and John Voight. When we and, thought. Uh, the Longest Yard, yeah. also in the 70s. Yeah. Oh, my you know, God. Deliverance, yeah. when we thought, well, Bert Reynolds. You know, yeah. this, this guy is going to be like, you know, he's got some chops here in Deliverance. And then he just sort of goes off. It was like uh, Stallone. You know, we thought initially, well, this guy is kind of the return of John Garfield. And then he goes off and does, you know, Rambo and just this sort of becomes this sort of Rambo has its artistic merits my friend but how does a guy who as far as action movies go Rocky the first draft in like a weekend become the kind of star he is today that's that's, come on so weird that's (laughs) is that an argument right there that's not really that's a, a kind of an apocryphal story that he has encouraged Because okay, a fast turnaround. Let's, let's change the. <laughs> because I read something later on. I just want to compliment you on the word of, of, apocryphal. It's <laughs> a lot of letters. It's a lot of points in Scrabble there, Tim. <laughs> Don't do this at home. I'm a professional. Ah, uh, but yeah, one of the producers, I want to say, or no, 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 it was one of the network uh, uh, studio folks said, "Look, he wrote a treatment." Over a weekend, and yeah, that's then true. I, I did hear that. Yes, it was massaged heavily by a whole bunch of really good script doctors. Yeah, and they also didn't want him originally to play Rocky either. And they also didn't want him to play Rocky. And then they just sort of relented and said, like, "Well, if you keep it under this budget and so forth," which they did. Which only they could have done it because if they would have hired somebody else with more clout, they could not have made that film. That's right. Exactly. I'm glad they didn't. I love I, guilty pleasure. All the Rocky movies except five, but I love Rocky one, two, three, oh, they are a four. Hoot. I hate Rocky five. I love the Return. Rocky, Rocky Balboa. Balboa. I love that one. I love Stallone I like Creed. in Creed. Yes, uh, in Creed. In Creed. And there's yeah. another Creed coming. That out. That was a great idea. Yeah, I like that, that was a great. Lot. So, yeah. and there were other films that Stallone was in that. Uh, uh, that I I appreciated him. Death, Death Race 2000. <laughs> Not Death Race 2000. Copland. Right. I liked, I liked him in Copland. Right. I, Although some of us uh, saw the title and thought, what is uh, Stallone doing in a movie about the composer Aaron Copland? Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll even, I'll, I'll, and you can chastise me all you want. I'm probably one of the few people that liked Oscar. Get <laughs> a spit take with Sylvester me, Stallone. I have not seen. It. Had I some coffee, I would have done a Danny Thomas. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes, I actually enjoyed Oscar. I found some some comedic merit in Oscar. Hey, speaking of comedies, we we skipped over Slapshot. Slapshot, one of your favorites. I like that film. Oh, really funny movie. Okay, coach. You. Yeah, yeah. Gordy Howe, and, and starring old another Ohioan. Paul Newman. Paul, Paul Newman. Newman. Yeah, Paul Newman. Come of on. Of course. Of course. One of those movies that should not be remade, by the way. No. Not, no, never. No. Never. No. 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 That was perfection. I just, yeah, I, I saw that there's uh, a remake of uh, Papillon coming out. Why? 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 
Why? Why make? Why we no. make? Why? No, 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 no. Uh, but you, you, you know it's coming. I know. It's I know. coming. I know. I, I don't know why they would do that. Why did they remake Ben Hur? Why did they? Why? I mean, Steve, why would anybody? Steve McQueen is just awesome. Now wait a minute. Ben Hur was a remake of Ben Hur. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. But but that was, but that was a silent film. But yes, exactly. That and, was a silent film. And yes. I don't know what, what that counts for, but that's my only argument. Uh, cause, uh, and it's a great silent film. And, and by the way, same director, of course, Cecil mm-hmm. B. DeMille. Right. And if you look at the uh, 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 chariot race scene, if you've ever seen the chariot race scene in the silent movie, it's kind of astonishing because... They basically just reshot the same damn thing right. for the, the Heston version. I mean, it's really kind of jaw-dropping how similar it is. We, uh, you know, you talk about remakes um, or, or, or reboots. Alien came out in 79. Yep. Yep. And there's been, you know, a lot of Alien sequels and, and reboots. And prequels. And prequels. Um I'm trying to think of movies that should not be remade. Uh, Soylent Green from the 70s, uh, one of my favorite sci-fi films in the 70s, Soylent Green. Apocalypse Now from 79. I was just going to say that. Apocalypse Now, you can't remake you that. You can't remake that. I wouldn't you know, want to see it It is remade. of its era, uh, as is Deer Hunter, you know, partly filmed here in Ohio, by the way. Oh, right, my, uh, right down the street from me. In, yes, in right Junction. down the street in Mingo Junction, right, right and some of it up in uh, yeah. my hometown, up yeah. in Cleveland, uh, at uh, Lemco Hall. That's the the wedding scene. Uh, that was, um, which of course is now a uh, condos. They've converted that. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Let me take a, a a little pause here before we start to wrap things up, and let's let's talk about the whiskey that we are more Ooh. than halfway through the Pikesville 110 proof, it's very good straight rye whiskey um, from Heaven Hill. They bought it in 1982. It's been around since the 19th century. Since the 1890s, according to the uh, information on the bottle. A fixture in Maryland. And when, uh, and when Heaven Hill bought it, they kept making it for the folks who, who uh, loved it in Maryland. But then um, they started to expand on it and brought it up a notch to 110 proof. And uh, like I said, rye whiskey consumption has gone up 609% since 2009, and they've done a fine job with this one. It's uh, about six years old, and uh, I don't know. You guys have been drinking whiskey with me for a while now. Yeah. Have you picked up on any of the flavor? Well, it's got a really sweet kind of aftertaste. Yeah. Now that I'm sitting on it, yeah. it's very sweet. Yeah. Not up front, but it's good. I, I get uh, a little, I get a little, a little black coffee in this one. Really? Uh, yep. Yeah. And a little caramel and a little yes. toffee. Speaking of coffee, so uh, my love and I, Mary Ellen, mm-hmm. we uh, have gotten into the habit on Sundays uh, of having our uh, uh, brunch after after mass. We'll have coffee, French press, cream, and Jameson. And Jameson's a little Irish coffee. And... Only Jameson really stands up to this really good, potent coffee, and I suspect this would do the same. Because once we tried it, um, we were at a, a restaurant, uh, and they ran out of Jameson, and they said, well, uh, we'll try the Tullamore. Tullamore do. Which is a blend. Yes. It just didn't stand up to the coffee. We've had Tullamore do on. I mean, it's on, good. On the show. It's very I'm, good. I won't complain about Tullamore yeah. as you know straight, but boy, Next this time, would do if uh, just this as would well. Do, I or think. if you're looking for another Irish whiskey, uh, yeah. we've had Patty on the uh, show as well. Yeah, try some of that yeah. as well. Yeah, if you're if you're, and and also the Jameson's uh, 
Black Barrel. We've mm-hmm. had that on the mm-hmm. show, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You, you look oh, like yeah. You're, you're poised and ready to say something. Go ahead. No, I was going to say he just gave us away his secret of, of uh, youthful looks is, uh, is on Sundays he drinks... Uh, Jamie and coffee. Yeah, no, no. I think I think the the key to that was he goes to mass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes to the mass, mass part. Right, he That's goes true. to mass. So, Moving in on. conclusion, I mean, God, I'm just looking at some of these. Films I know it's from crazy. The 70s. It's crazy. Manhattan, Annie Hall, both. Great films from uh, the, the now disgraced. We didn't Woody mention Allen. the Sting. The Sting. Oh. Uh, Scorsese had not only the Taxi Driver, but Mean Streets. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then danced into 1980 with Raging Bull. Raging mm-hmm. Bull. Barry Lyndon. You didn't mention Barry Lyndon. I thought oh it was a great God. film. Talk about spectacular film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Kelly's Heroes. Come on. Come on. Kelly's Heroes, please. One of my favorite. Now, Give it to me. That one. Kelly's Heroes. That one. Is that a comedy? That, that's a war <laughs> comedy. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Don Rickles. Donald Sutherland. That's one. Woof, woof. That's sure. one. That's one that I think that actually, Absolutely. God help me, could be, could be remade and, and remade pretty yeah. and, and done well. I think if somebody was at proper was at the helm, I think we'd have another Kelly's Heroes. We came close to it, I think, with Three Kings. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mark that's Wahlberg, about that's about yeah, as close right. to our Ke- man George. George yeah, Clooney. As, as close to a Kelly's Heroes that that you'll probably get. Uh, in, Who, in by film. the way, I'm sorry. People try to say like, oh, you know, kind of a Kentucky gentleman. Come on, George is an Ohio guy. Yes, he's a Cincinnati, Cincinnati boy, boy, right? Well, and he spent some time right here too. By in the Columbus. Way. Yes, he did. There you go. Doing what? Well, his dad. I know his dad. My was- pal Nick. Was working. Oh, who's, drop, here. who's dropping names Thank now? You. Uh-huh. Who's and dropping Mina, names now? Nick Clooney, Mina, Linda Blair, Mina, Clooney. Look at this Mina guy over here. Mina was a producer for Flippo. Oh wow! Yes. Okay. The clown. Yeah. Yes. For those of you who are watching outside the Columbus, Ohio area, Flippo the Clown was a beloved uh, local personality here in Columbus, <laughs> like Bozo Ohio. Or yeah, Fitz. he was awesome. He was great. Fritz. He was he was great. No, I don't miss an an opportunity to mention Nick and Nina because they're great people. I'm sorry. No, well, why should you? I mean, I would I would be I would mention them if I I knew them. Well, and I'd, I hope someday maybe you'll introduce me to them. <laughs> We'll go down to Augusta, Kentucky, and hang out in their house, which is lovely, by the way. Uh, now, you, you mentioned a couple of uh, directors from the 70s who are still, still Scorsese. making great films today as we speak. Martin Scorsese would be one of them. Steven Spielberg is still Spielberg. making making great movies Absolutely. today. Um, Coppola is sort of, I don't know if he's semi-retired. I think he's semi-retired. I would think he's semi-retired. Yeah. Yeah. Has he done anything since Godfather 3 after that? Did he do anything after that? He made a, a small independent film that was in black and white that he shot on HD back about seven years ago with his... That's right. Something really small. Yeah. He, like, spent a million dollars. And, of course, of Lucas, you know, kind of continues to be, uh, yeah. you know, trying to live down those atrocious prequels. To, yeah. Uh, oh, Yeah. But the most successful independent filmmaker of all time, if you want to be technical about it. He paid for every one of those films. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 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 Can't take that away from him. You know. But, I mean, you're talking about people who, holy cow, we just had a success. Now what do we do? That was George Lucas after the first Star Wars. I mean... He brought in several other writers to help out on the next one, which turned out to be, in some estimation, different, maybe better in some ways than the first one. What, Empire Strikes Back? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of people who love Star Wars think that Empire is the best Star Wars since Rogue One, actually. But, you know, Rogue One is probably the best of the contemporary ones. Right. What but amuses me about your love for Star Wars is that you are, as an adult, still first in line 
on day one to see every new Star Wars uh, incarnation. Oh, I'm, for, I'm, a, I'm the only out. guy sitting there waiting for the movie to start three hours before it starts, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. me and some other uh, dude behind me about five hours. I, I, I think that's great, though. I think that's great. I think it's great. that We have a group of movie nerds at this table. Don't oh, we? absolutely. And I know many more nerds that are not at this table that uh, hopefully will appreciate this conversation. Uh, I'm going to do a shout out to Mark Hoyk. Mark Hoyk in Los Angeles, California, who uh, reviews films and writes about films. Uh, and, and, I know Mark. And yeah, and if uh, if he was here right now, which he promises me he's coming back to Ohio at some point, he's going to be sitting across he better. from me where you're at, and we're going yeah. to get into uh, even deeper in, into film. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Google Mark Hoyk, that's uh, H-E-U-C-K, and see all the stuff that he puts out online on the internet. Uh, it's a it's a nice little list of things. Uh, far too long for me to mention right now, and I apologize, Hoyk. But Google Mark Hoyk. He gets the shout out. He was the movie nerd in that television show on MTV a while back. No, it was on Comedy Central. Comedy Central. Yeah. Comedy Central. It was. He a, worked for a time he, he, at the Drexel. Yes, Correct. he had yeah. long hair. He still has long hair. Yeah, beautiful. Still does. Long, actually, yes. he cut it and grew it back. He cut it and gave it. Oh, to, good uh, for Mark. He gave. He cut it for charity. Yeah, and then grew it back. Uh, yeah. Hoyk is... He's timeless. He doesn't change. He doesn't... He no, looks no. Exactly yeah, he's another one. He's, yeah. he's, he's, yeah. another, he's another uh, pack with Satan. Uh, so now, Hoyk, now that you've been talked about and exploited on this podcast, you have no choice but to be on it. Mark. So there Hello. you go. There you go. So check I do out remember you. Mark Hoyk. Very and, fondly. And appreciate yes. everything he does. Yeah. Are we doing shout outs? Uh, uh, we're doing this... Yeah, we were supposed to do these in the beginning, and I, and, ah. and, 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 I, and I glazed right over it because I was excited about our topic tonight. But we want to thank everybody uh, who's been responding uh, to the podcast. We ask you to rate and review on iTunes. We also have, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, Greg Hansberry, our producer for the podcast. John Whitney, our producer for the YouTube channel, which we just recently uh, started here in the last few weeks. And that's been going very well. Thank you, John. But we've gotten some nice shout-outs from people we want to share a couple of. Totally yeah, cool. Uh, on uh, iTunes, thanks to I Am Runner five-star rating. Uh, I went from belly chuckle laughs to touching moments in the same episode. <laughs> Keep up the great work. I don't know Maybe what not episode, so much this one. I don't know what episode that was, but but okay. But thank you. We encourage you to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to the show because uh, it, it kind of bumps us up and gives us some clout and it exposes us to other yeah, listeners. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at uh, Whiskey Business Podcast on Facebook as well. And uh, I know uh, John's got some info on our new YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, we had uh, David Reinhard actually was commenting on last week's podcast with the superintendent. Jim Canepa. Jim Canepa. Thank you, Dino, for this wonderful episode. This is a must-listen-to episode if you're an avid bourbon drinker in the Columbus area, although you don't have to be necessarily from Columbus. Uh, so excited for the months to come for bourbon hunting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. thanks, David. Yeah, Mr. Canepa gave us hope for uh, bourbons to come to the state of Ohio. Ooh. Rick Andreessen watched the same one on the YouTube channel. I just watched your podcast on the YouTube channel with the superintendent of liquor. That was so, a lot of O's, awesome. It I, was. I learned uh, a few things I never knew. Uh, if you ever hear of a festival coming to the Columbus area, let me know. Again, to you and your whiskey business team, great job. I'm a huge fan. Continued success. That comes from Rick Andreessen. So thank you, Ricky. We appreciate that so, so much. And uh, Mr. Farron, Tim Farron. Writer Dino, for the, writer for the Columbus Dispatch, a great conversation. Always uh, a pleasure uh, and, and hanging a, with you, man. And and so many on or off camera, and so many things, so many things we, we didn't cover that we didn't cover that we could have gotten into. Yes. Uh, that maybe. We'll, and I'm sorry we didn't, but boy, yes. Takeaway is could be greatest decade. Uh, arguably, but I think yes. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could come up with this many films that I love and appreciate from any any other, any other decade other than than the seventies. There's yeah. other films from the eighties and the nineties yeah. and nineties and the sixties and the nineties and the sixties and the fifties and the pink come on guys and the and the forties and so forth. And but so we're on. talking about seminal things that we're talking now about. have echoes in both film and in peak TV. 
Absolutely. Uh-uh. Tough to beat. It definitely resonates. Yeah. Tim Farron has been our guest, our guest bottle, Pikesville. Oh, by the way. And it, a really good. It uh, it fits into, the, uh, into our favorite little profile, which is 50 bucks or under. It, it retails for about 50 bucks. Really? Yeah. Wow. So if you can find it, I don't know if it's available in Ohio. I picked that up in Tennessee. So uh, if it's available here in Ohio. Name dropper. You, you, yeah. <laughs> State dropper. <laughs> Whiskey Business, let me wrap things up, is a Never the Luck production hosted by me, your host, Dino Chapotas, and produced by Greg Hansberry, our producer on the YouTube channel, John Whitney. All the opinions are those of me, your host, and my sometimes and not sometimes reluctant guests, Tim Farron. Not reluctant Not, not at all. reluctant at all. Come and, on. Uh, I never meant to offend, only to inform, educate, Amen. and at the end of the day, entertain. And so, my friends, until the next bottle, see ya. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States is locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.